0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. 971 FM Talk Podcast. Who is America. All am right, another
1: number. I am a free man! Wiggins, America.
2: The only thing I'm gonna need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee.
1: Wiggins. Today's global
2: economy waits
0: for no man.
1: America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we wanna play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
0: Welcome to Wiggins, America.
1: Good morning, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Ryan Wiggins doing my radio voice. Not very good one this morning. I can't get into the lower register. I don't know what's wrong with me. Welcome to Wiggins America. Always surprising to me. I shouldn't say always, but it's still surprising to me how dark it is at this moment in time. If you are awake right now, you are driving, well, then Welcome to the show. And thank you for tuning in. Hopefully we can get your mind off of wherever it is you're going because you probably don't want to be up this early driving there anyway. So let's get right into it. Some stuff that uh, is going to happen in this show today. It's a very, very big show. Big, big guests that I want to highlight that if you're not going to be in the car by this time or listening to the show by that time, get the podcast because Peter Navarro He's he was in the Trump White House, had many different roles within the Trump White House. So I don't want to list all of them because they they moved around. You know, a lot of the cabinet members moved around quite a bit while they were in the Trump White House. He's one of those. So stick around for that or get the podcast. Like I said, I'm Ryan Wiggins. Glad you're here this morning. So here is the issue du jour that I wanted to start the day with. Why is nobody working? You're probably up this morning because you are working and you are angry about that subject because those of us who are working and who never stopped working, at least those of us who had the option to never stop working, because some people were fired at the beginning of this thing. Some people lost their jobs along the way. Some people are now losing their jobs because of vaccine mandates. Man, if you're in that boat, I want to say I can't identify with you enough because that's not the boat that I'm in, but my heart just goes out to you you know, people log into the live stream when we're on the Annie Fry show in the weeks, and I'm, I'm in there a lot. You know, I, I see the live stream and people log on there. I think Vicky was one this week was just lamenting her loss. She's 63 years old. She says, I, you know, I'm not going to get another job. Or if I am, it's not going to be what I got now. And they're forcing me, my company is forcing me to get the vaccine. They're not even giving me the option for testing. Some of the things that Biden said in that one press conference, which, by the way, he still has not released any sort of actual mandate. If you've been following it, there's no legal justification for the mandate. Right now, it was just that press release. And companies everywhere are running scared because of what they think is going to happen. And hers, in particular, is doing so because they get government contracts well, that makes sense, but they're not offering testing. She's 63 years old. She's asking the question, do I do it? How, how, how much do I believe in this? And that's the question a lot of us are asking is wh- where do you draw the line on your convictions? And how far are you willing to go? But again, where are the workers? Back to the original question that's a that's a big question that nobody can seem to answer, and most people looked at September as the beginning of the end of the worker shortage because that's when federal unemployment benefits were were stopping, and they did, and they have, and now it's the end of Nove- or the end of uh, October, almost November, and we're still experiencing a worker shortage. So was it just the federal unemployment benefits? No, it was not. That was a part of it. Here's the big, big problem. I was reading about this a little bit this week. Just, you know, I want to get to the heart of the issue. I don't want to just make claims, you know, because we were claiming for a long time. Yes, it's unemployment. Well, I I think that that is true, but I don't think it was just unemployment. Do you realize that somewhere between four and six, maybe even more, trillion dollars, you know, we'll say we'll say five trillion dollars has been pumped into the American economy in the last year. Five, and probably more than that, actually, because I think estimates go up to about eight. But trillions and trillions of dollars have been pumped into the American economy in a year. We've never seen that kind of liquidity happen, or that, and that's why we're seeing this kind of inflation happen so fast, too. Because anytime you print more money, well, the size of the pie isn't getting any bigger. The size of the pie gets bigger when you have workers out there Producing and basically expanding the pie tin, you know, if you know what I'm saying. So, they, they, you can make more happen when your people are making more happen. The government can never make more happen. So, anytime the government just does, decides to print more money, well, your pie tin didn't get any bigger. Your pie is the same size. It now just costs more to buy a slice of it. That's all that's happened. So, what is the actual answer? Well, no, nobody is completely sure as to why we're having this, this uh, worker shortage. But allow me to offer some theories. And you can take them and you can think about them yourselves. I, I think there's, there's something to most of these things. And the, them working together is really the key. One of them is that there are people who are still just ridiculously afraid of COVID. There are people who are so afraid of COVID either because they haven't had it or because they know that the breakthrough cases for vaccines are off the charts and they don't want to work. They don't want to see people. They don't want to be around people still. Well, let's say that's only like 5% of the U S population. Well, that's 5% that even if a portion of those people aren't wanting to go back into the workforce quickly, maybe they have been on unemployment up until last month and they're, they're using every government benefit possible. Well, well, Those people aren't going to go back quickly. They're scared. Here's another thing. A whole bunch of people realized in the last 18 months how big our government programs are. So there's a significant portion of the population, in my opinion, who never realized they could be on welfare or never had even tried to use food stamps. And now they are. And they're going, man, I'm a dope for not using this stuff. Well, those people aren't going to go back into the workforce quickly. They didn't know that stuff existed. Now they do. Well, now you got a whole new generation or a whole new subset of people who are going to be on the government dole for as long as they can. And certainly the administration we have right now isn't trying to incentivize those people off of it. They're trying to do the opposite, keep them on it. They're expanding food stamps, for instance, by 30%. They're raising the amount that people are getting. The third, even without federal unemployment, so there's still... All these government programs, like uh, actual state unemployment, the original form of unemployment, and t- child tax credit, you know, these are expanded forms of things that didn't exist before. So, fear of COVID, realization that we have huge government programs, and then third, now expansion of those programs that still exist, like child tax credit, is huge. If you have a few kids, you're making maybe $1,000 a month for doing nothing. So get ready for it. We're not going to see the worker shortage end soon, in my opinion, because of these things, because it's not just federal. 97.1 FM Talk, Wiggins America. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We were just talking in the last segment about the worker shortage and I connected, uh, connected with uh, Rick Green. He's a former Texas state representative. He's also involved with the, uh, well, you know it better than I do, Patriot Academy. What does Patriot Academy do, Rick? Hey,
2: good to be with you, man. We are all about equipping citizens to live out their liberty and help them to become a catalyst in their community for restoring our constitutional republic.
1: That's awesome. I actually was looking at your website, and I thought, I love what I'm seeing, although I would like to dig in a little bit more sometime and just see how you guys are doing what you do because, you know, separate conversation here a little bit, but my kids are in a school right now where they're learning about the differences between the judicial, the executive, and the legislative branch, and they're in second grade, and I thought, gosh, if if all of America could understand what my second-graders are understanding right now, we'd all be a lot better off, right? Oh, Dude, I'm telling you, if we just watch Schoolhouse Rocks, I mean, if adults yeah. would watch the old
2: cartoons on Schoolhouse Rocks. I mean, just think about right now, we have a speech by the, a, a senile president. So he comes out and gives a speech, and the CEO of Southwest Airlines, a, a titan of industry says, I have to obey the presidential order. There's no order. There's no... Fe- Jen Psaki says, federal law, override state law. What federal law? There is no federal law for this vaccine mandate. There's been no law passed. And if everybody would go back and say, I'm a bill from Capitol Hill, it starts in the House and Congress, you know, House and Senate, and then goes to the president, then we would all say, wait a minute, how does a speech from a president... I mean, if we were a you know, third world country with a tin pot dictator that comes out on the balcony and speaks and that becomes a law, okay, that's a little bit different world. That is not the United States of America and it's certainly not a constitutional republic.
1: Well, Rick, what's amazing is, I'm so glad you said that, because we've been talking about how the fact that there's not even in 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 the vaccine mandate world, there's not even an executive order. So he hasn't that's even right. come out and spoken from the balcony and said, thus I decree. <laughs> there, there's, there's nothing. He's just that's talked right. to the press. Now, that's, you know, we're getting into some stuff here that I actually I'm very very interested in because this is the stuff that really is the way government is working now where he's trying to push through this edict through OSHA and that's how most law it seems to me takes place anymore is through government agencies from the executive branch instead of the way like you just said that Schoolhouse Rocks taught us that it should be.
2: You're spot on, man. I call it the fourth branch. Uh, It's not constitutional, but it's this massive behemoth. It's just this huge bureaucracy uh, that makes law now. Instead of Congress making law, they make law. These bureaucrats, these unaccountable, unelected bureaucrats, we even have administrative law now where often uh, it's, it's, it's litigated in this, in this black hole that doesn't have the same protections from the Bill of Rights. It's, it's all bad news. It's a bad system. And, and it's basically because of civic ignorance. We just don't know how the system works anymore. Every problem you look at right now, whether it's these out-of-control government mandates and the COVID crackdowns or the Marxism pouring out in our streets as a result of our education, education system, all of that stems from civic ignorance. Not knowing our history, not knowing our Constitution, not knowing our rights – And that's the Petri dish where the virus of tyrannical government grows. And we've been watching it happen over the last two years. The good news is that civic literacy can cure civic ignorance. Uh, all ignorance is curable. I'm ignorant about a lot of things, but I can get online and quickly YouTube or or or, or I don't say Google anymore, uh duck, duck, go things and uh and very quickly find out and learn and, and it's the same with our history and and our the way our government works and and that's what we do at Patriot Academy. We have constitution classes that are fun and exciting, the only ones in the world that you won't fall asleep in. And uh and we have coaches that conduct those all over the country, 10,000 coaches now and growing every day. Thousands of classes taking place right now uh, where people are sitting around the living room watching these videos, learning how the system works, and getting inspired about what they can do at their local school board or their local community to help restore our republic. So as bad as it is, folks out there that are listening, there is hope, there are answers, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything we're facing has happened at some point in history We have the principles of liberty that work. We just have to implement them.
1: Rick Green is a former Texas state representative on the phone with us. He's also the founder of Patriot Academy, which you were just talking about. I want to dive into a couple of these issues with you, but first, I'm really I'm intrigued by Patriot Academy because you talked about educating people basically just on the foundation of what our nation was the foundation of what our nation was founded on. Uh, Kind of redundant, but uh, how how exactly do you do that? So, so somebody you, you you have these classes. You say you have administrators all over the country is this happening primarily through churches is it happening elsewhere is it happening in actual in schools private schools public schools how's it going about
2: yes to all of the above so what we do is we, we make our materials free and we train people to be constitution coaches for free and that doesn't mean you have to have a law degree or any knowledge or any background at all in any of this this is for citizens from every background to be able to host and we make it super super easy we give away the materials for free uh it's all you know you can do it all digitally if you want and, uh, and and it's literally it's happening in people's living rooms, it's happening in churches, it's happening at the local library. Some schools are using uh, the materials. Thousands of, of classes happening all over the country. And, and that's one aspect. So we have our Constitution classes that are taking place through our Constitution Coach Program. We started as a youth leadership program. When I was a legislator, I got frustrated with my colleagues realized most people weren't there out of conviction. They were there you know, for self-gratification. you know, gratification. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to raise up a new generation. And 20 years ago, we started doing these patriot academies in state capitals across the country, where young people 16 to 25 years old come in and spend a week with me. They live the life of a legislator. We teach them biblical worldview and constitutional jurisdictions all throughout that process. And now we've got graduates serving in state legislatures across the country and Congress and all kinds of other places uh, in the culture, making movies, you know, in the pulpit. I mean, they're not all going into politics. They're going into whatever area God's called them to. Uh, But that's the original kind of flagship Patriot Academy program. And then last, we do my favorite because it's the most fun. We do something called Constitutional Defense where we combine teaching people how to how to carry a handgun and and, and, and be able to defend their family effectively and, and live out their Second Amendment rights. And so we do uh, shooting during the day, and then I teach the Constitution at night, and we do that out at Frontside in Nevada with the best instructors on the planet. So We've got a lot of different programs, but they're all designed for the same thing, helping citizens live out their liberty and teach their friends and family to do the
1: same. It's out there, patriotacademy.com, if you want to find out more. So let's dive into some of today's issues and how— Uh, Just going back to the foundations and to the Constitution would solve some of these things. I was talking about in the last segment a little bit, uh, the worker shortage and supply chain problems, which I view the supply chain issue as a worker problem. And I, I think that is the root of the cause. But let's go back even further than that. What is the root of the worker shortage?
2: Yeah, you know, everything we're facing is government Created. This is not virus created. It's all bad policies. I I argue it's these are the worst public policy decisions in the history of of our nation. Uh, It is unbelievable what we've done. That is so unconstitutional, but also just can I use the word stupid? I mean, I mean we're literally doing things that make no logical sense whatsoever, no common sense whatsoever. And you nailed it. I mean, it is it is because government said. Don't go to work. We'll pay you to stay home. Now, if you pay people almost as much as they would make if they go to work, I mean, let's just face it, the nature of man is, now granted, some of us, we can't stand sitting around and doing nothing. We want to work. But the nature of man is, heck yeah, I'll stay home and just, you know, live off the government, or or I'll do some side job for cash while, you know, I, I'm uh, collecting that government check. And so we created this, this, this crisis that's happening in the supply chain with both paying people to stay home at work and then forcing the private market to shut down for so long, forcing businesses to close for no reason whatsoever. We have never in our history told healthy people to stay home. We've never quarantined healthy people. This is crazy what we started doing last March and April. And so it's it's catching up to us. I mean, now it's complete chaos. You also have regulations in, in California, these crazy regulations on the ports and the things that they're doing there through the legislature. And it's all government-created. So you combine all of that, and it creates the chaos we're dealing with now. So instead of having a true free market where Adam Smith's invisible hand makes it possible for us to have just enough toilet paper at the grocery store every week. Have you ever noticed that before the last two years? It was amazing. There was always just enough ground beef there for everybody to get as much as they wanted without it going bad. There was just enough toilet paper and canned soup and everything else. The market was amazing. The invisible hand worked. But instead of the invisible hand, now we have the iron fist of government. And government is creating what my favorite economist in history, Milton Friedman, said. He called it friction in the market. And that friction, instead of the free flow of the market, has created this supply chain nightmare that we're dealing with now.
1: Yeah, and it's happening fast. We've seen socialism creep for the last, well, let's say, 20 years, maybe even further than that. But this, in the last couple of years, it's been incredibly fast. And it's it's been, I think, a surprise even to the average American how quickly that we're, we're seeing inflation. We're seeing the results of massive government and the overprinting of money. Rick Green is on the phone with us. He's the founder of PatriotAcademy.com, Patriot Academy in general. That's the website. So let me ask you this, and it's it's one of the criticisms that I hear, and I like to respond to because I want to get to the bottom of these issues, not just you know use talking points, but one of the things that people will say when we talk about, well, it's not just that workers are staying home because we're paying them to stay home, because if that were the case, then that would have ended in September <clears throat> because the federal unemployment benefits stopped in September, yet we're still seeing that. What do you attribute it to? past now that we're 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 through the unemployment benefits coming from the federal government.
2: Yeah, great great question, great point. And and now it's become this threat from the government and this forcing of the federal uh, mandates on the on the vaccine which are completely unconstitutional, but but it's still created this fear in the marketplace and it's caused a ton of employers literally to fire great people, employees of the year, teacher of the year, fireman of the year, policeman of the I mean, it is a good people that are getting fired because of a medical decision. They're actually making a common sense rational decision saying I'm doing the cost-benefit analysis here, am I more likely to die from COVID or more likely to be harmed from the from, from the vaccine, or even if it's a really small risk that the vaccine's going to harm me, I have zero, practically zero risk of being truly harmed from the virus. And, and people are just doing their own cost-benefit analysis. We used to respect that in America, but not anymore. And, and so now it's that combination as well. I mean, when you have police forces that are going to fire half the police force in some of these cities over the jab, that creates Chaos in the market. Look at the airlines and the chaos that's being created there because of these uh, CEOs saying you're going to be fired as as a pilot or a baggage handler or whatever your job is if you don't get the jab. So that's creating uh, you know uh, uh, incredible uh, chaos as well. Uh, but I, I don't think we can underemphasize the regulatory nature. The fact that when government intervenes and says you know you've got to be part of a union to to unload this this uh, shipping container or you've got to be you've got to meet this requirement or that requirement. It creates that friction, and our system has managed to overcome a lot of that friction. I mean, we haven't been a true free market economy for a very very long time, and there's been a lot of friction in in the market, but we've still, through ingenuity and just just you know sheer determination, been able to overcome that up until COVID. But when COVID hit, it was like all of these different elements we're talking about hit at the exact same same time, and. And I'm not, I mean, Ryan, I, half the stuff I'm saying now, if, if you had played me the interview two years ago, I'd have said, that guy's crazy, he's a conspiracy theorist. But now, all of the things are actually happening that last summer, the left telegraphed, they say, they said, we want a great reset, we're going to use COVID to make people more dependent on government, more dependent on, quote, the experts, less reliable on, in, you know, uh, relying on individuality and, and all these things. I mean, they... They telegraphed that. I did a webinar last summer showing what they were saying in their own publications. I didn't think it would work. I thought I thought we would defeat it. I thought the American people would say no. But, man, here we are. I mean, we're, we're watching this stuff crumble right before our eyes. And unless there's a massive wake-up call, which I do see a, uh, signs of that happening. And, and you mentioned, you know, we've been around 20 years. But I'm telling you, the last 15 months, we've absolutely exploded because people are asking the question, can government? Government really do this? Can they make me stay home? Can they make me get a medical procedure? Can they make me, my child, wear a mask all day long? Can they force this kind of child abuse on our children? I mean, they're asking these questions for the first time in their lives. And so there is a great awakening happening. I'm just wondering is the awakening going to happen fast enough to prevent us from going off the cliff?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And it's a, it's a great question, too. You know, looking at, you know, we're Americans, so we're obviously looking at the way America's handling this. But all the things you're talking about, they've been happening all over the world. That's what's yeah. surprising, is that this thing looks so coordinated across governments, across cultures. It's really, I've never seen anything like it before. And I'll just say this before we run out of time here. I still think, and i get your thoughts about this before we run out of time. I still think America really is the last great hope to stop these things in America or in in the world. And we're seeing that happen. So, you know, a, a little bit of hope here where you see big corporations, not because they're so noble that they've said, other than In-N-Out Burger, they have they said from the top down, yeah, they said, look. Go In-N-Out. Exactly. I wish we had them here in the Midwest because I'd be eating there for lunch today. But they said from the top down, no, we can't enforce these, man. This is ridiculous. However the other, you know, the airlines and some of these other businesses, it, it's been from the bottom up where the employees have said, we're not going to do it. And the corporation had to say, yeah, we're, there's no way we can fire everybody at the same time. So I think there is hope. I think there is light at the end of the tunnel here, at least, at least in, in my purview. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent.
2: And I think it's exactly what you just described. It's bottom up. It's, It's individuals saying, you know, listen, I'm going to team up with – I'll raise the banner. And I promise you, folks, if you raise the banner, people in your community will rally. And you just nailed it. I mean, that's exactly what happened with with Southwest Airlines. They backed off the – uh, uh, saying they're going to – well, they didn't call it firing. We're going to give you unpaid leave, which is essentially firing. So they yeah. they backed off that at least for a little bit here. But what happened was all, all the executives of these big companies, they're basically paid off. So Southwest Airlines got $3.2 billion in COVID relief, so they didn't want to make the president or the federal government mad. They got all this money, and they want to keep getting money. Um, whereas the employees are going, hey, wait a minute, you're going to literally take my job from me. So you're right. Where people are standing up, we're starting to win. There is a pushback happening uh, that 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 we can win, but it's got it's not going to stop just because they come to their senses. It's only going to stop when there's enough civil disobedience and peaceful, of course, but peaceful civil disobedience saying absolutely not. I will not comply with unconstitutional orders. I, I mean, look, I do this on a on a personal basis. I walk through the airport with no mask every every time I fly. You know, and I, I I wear it to get on the plane, and then I I, I uh, take really a really long time to eat chocolate covered pomegranates. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so you know you you do what you can. Everybody needs to do what they can in their sphere with their realm of influence to push back on this stuff. And just look at the look at Norway, Sweden, Denmark. They've gotten rid of all of this nonsense. And mm-hmm. as they live in freedom, and we don't see their entire nation die. And as the football stadiums here in America continue to be filled up with people, you know, crammed in together, no masks, you know, sweating on each other, hugging and 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 high fiving, and we don't have you know massive deaths as a result of that. I mean, people use your common sense, use your logic, watch that stuff happen, and say, "I want more freedom." Let's get back to our lives.
1: Rick Green, thank you so much for your time this morning. I love what you're doing at Patriot Academy. You can check them out at PatriotAcademy.com and more Wiggins America on the way. Also, stick around. Big interview with Peter Navarro coming up at this time next hour. It's Wiggins America ninety seven one talk. I've been sitting on this one. <laughs> Not even sure where to start with it. Because it's some uh, if if this plays out the way that I think it will, this is some pretty interesting data. Now I shared some of this on the Annie Fry show this week. So if you heard that segment, I do a Wiggins America segment on the Annie Fry Show almost every day at 1245, unless we move it around based on guests and stuff. But on Monday I shared this. There was a question percolating last weekend that I wanted to dig into because I found it interesting. So there's a a narrative, right? Everybody's got a narrative. Me, you, this station, other stations, CNN, Fox News, mainstream media, everybody's got a narrative that they believe. Hopefully, if something comes along and knocks you off of your beliefs, you're willing to consider that thing to be true and not just push it away because it disagrees with what you understand to be true. Personally, now we're getting real deep here. <clears throat> I see this happen everywhere, including the church. So I'm a Christian. I've seen many Christians in my life, and, and it's easy to criticize Christians for this, that if something comes along that seems to contradict the Bible, a lot of Christians are will, are just say, well, then forget it. <clears throat> it can't be true. Well, sometimes that's that's right. Sometimes the the fact isn't true, but y- it's hard to just push it away until you know. So, if something comes along that challenges, basically what I'm saying is challenges your worldview, whether that be religious, political, anything, anything else, anything. That that your your son or daughter is a perfect prince or, or princess, right? If something challenges that. Your inclination is to push it away and say, no, 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 that can't be true. What I understand to be true is this. You're offering me this. I say that just to say that there's a narrative about COVID that most people believe and that people like me, some other people here, maybe on uh, traditionally right-leaning news outlets challenge that narrative. I like to think that we challenge all narratives, though. I don't care what it is. Somebody comes along and criticizes Trump for being blunt. We don't say, no, he's not blunt. We say, yeah, yes, he is. (laughs) We like him because of this, not because of that. Um, Any criticism, you know, kids in cages. Well, yeah, none of us like that. However, it's gotten worse and nobody's willing to say that. I'm getting way off the topic here. Let me get back to the point of this. So this week, somebody came along and said something that challenged the narrative that I believe. That is that the workforce is diminished right now because of bad economic policies. One, destroying businesses by destroying uh, livelihoods through COVID and shutdowns and things, and then asking those businesses to just pop back. That's not good economic policy. But two, the worker shortage in particular, in my understanding of things, in my worldview, is happening because we're giving so much free money to everybody. And it's not just unemployment. You know, we, we cited unemployment as the reason for that, the extra federal unemployment. Unemployment's still there. State unemployment has not gone away. Federal unemployment, which was an extra bonus of $600 to $300, depending on when we're talking about, has gone away. But there's all kinds of other government money floating out there. And if you talk to people in the financial industry, they're nervous about it. We, we were so bloated with cash in the United States right now because of the printing of trillions and trillions of dollars over the last year, that all this money's going out. They're raising food stamps by 30%. You know, the, the child tax credit, for instance, we've got three kids. We're getting $800 a month for nothing, nothing. And they're trying to extend these things. You know, $800 a month for doing nothing is a lot of money. If you, let's say you got five kids, <laughs> what are you making, what, $1,200, $1,300 for doing nothing every month. Now, when I say nothing, as a parent, I understand it is work to take care of your kids, but you're not producing for society, but you're not, you're not working a job. So somebody challenged that narrative this week and said, well, the reason is not because of all the cash that's being pumped into, this, into the world and that's keeping people from working or incentivizing them to not work. It's because so many people died of covid And I initially went, I've never heard anybody say that. It it challenged my assertion of why we're having a worker shortage and a supply line problem. So I looked back and I thought, well, the way to know then is to, to look at death statistics was 2020 way higher than 2019, because if we lost way more people in 2020 than we did in 2019, then maybe that could contribute to it. Now, we're talking about a country of 320 million people, and somebody pointed out to me after saying that, rightly so, the average age of a de- of a COVID death is above 70. Well, those people aren't part of the workforce usually. So there's the end of that narrative right there. But incidentally, it got me digging into the death numbers, and that's what I want to share with you here. <laughs> it's a very long intro to, to share what I found, but I think you're going to find it very, very fascinating because I did too. So, in 2020, according to the CDC, 572,000 more people died in 2020 than in 2019. Let me say that one more time. According to the CDC, 572,000 more people died in 2020 than in 2019. Of those 572,000 extra deaths over the previous year, a little over half of them, 350,000, were attributed to covid now, I, like you, look at numbers from the CDC or from the Fauci's who have been proven to be using these offices politically. That's not coming from me. That's publicly available knowledge that the CDC, Fauci, top government scientists, on and on, have used these offices to push political agendas. The CDC did it with the teachers' unions. Fauci has done it through grants and lying to Congress that he had no idea about where this money was going to fund gain-of-function research, was very, very involved in the early parts of the development, probably, of the coronavirus, Uh, was certainly involved in the Wuhan lab and denied that. So he's lied. He's lied. CDC has lied. Uh, Fauci has not admitted that he's lied. The CDC has or that they've manipulated their opinion, you know, the public opinion stuff that they put out. So in looking at CDC data, I was naturally a little bit skeptical. So I looked up other metrics, other data aggregates that track death numbers in the United States. There's one called macro trends, and there's one called kinema. There's not a whole lot. There's other ones, but most of the other ones haven't put together 2020 yet they're still waiting i guess they usually take a year before they publish the, the previous year and we're not quite there yet but macro trends and kanema and the cdc all have already published their data the trouble is that macro trends says that the average death per 1000 people was at 8.8 kanema says 8.9 cdc which is what every article cites on this subject says 10.4, that's way different than the other publicly available data. 8.8, 8.95 for the other ones, 10.4 for CDC. Now that's a problem. That's a big difference. We're talking about more than 1.5 extra deaths per thousand, according to the CDC. That's That ends up being a big number. And that ends up, pushing the numbers way higher, which is what's being reported publicly. So I'm like, well, I don't know where else to look for data outside of these three companies because everybody else, there are other companies, but they haven't published their 2020 data yet, including the WHO looked at their website. Can't find any data for 2020. Not that I was going to trust the WHO anyway, but I just wanted to see. So I, I looked at other countries that seem to be similar to the United States. Okay. So I started with the UK. What is their deaths per thousand? Deaths per thousand is the best one to look at because deaths per thousand can apply to any population, whether it be a rural population, sparse population, north, south, right at the equator, no matter who you got, what you got, deaths per thousand is going to be the same, right? So deaths per thousand in the UK was up from previous years like 2019 and the last roughly decade, it was higher. But you look back a little bit beyond that, and it's basically the same as it was in the late 90s and 2000s. And guess what? They say those were just bad flu years. 1999, for instance, the death per thousand was about at a 9.5. In 2020, it was about an 8.9. So it was actually worse in 1999 and 2000 and 2001, two and three, because those were bad flu seasons for the UK than it was during the entire pandemic of 2020 in the UK. Well, that lines up more with what these second party data aggregates were finding in the US rather than the CDC. So I looked at another country, Australia, much more sparsely populated than the United States, but at least politically and historically, we have a lot in common with them. Their deaths per thousand, and again, I'm using that number because it makes the most sense. We can't say how many people died in Australia versus how many people died in the UK versus how many people died in India versus the US because the populations are so different. But deaths per thousand is comparable. In Australia, deaths per thousand was about 4.9 last year. That is a decline from 2019. In fact, it's the lowest death they've ever had in their history. Essentially, what we're seeing is the CDC's data that shows that everybody cites that 2020 was a much higher death rate in the United States than we've seen since the 1918 you know, flu pandemic, whatever that was, the Spanish flu pandemic. You see that a lot that one number from the CDC is an outlier compared to the rest of the world and compared to other data from within the United States. What does that mean? I can't jump to conclusions yet because I don't want to force something that may not be true. It may be that once we get more different numbers in, that the CDC's looks like it's more in line with other numbers. The problem is right now, and we're not talking about like right-leaning corporations here. We're talking about just data people. These are these are companies that they produce data that people who need data can subscribe to and and look at. And I've looked up their data and found that it all is pretty much in agreement with each other in the US, outside the US, except for the CDC. That is troublesome <laughs> to, to say it lightly. So Will this be reported anywhere else? I doubt it. I have, though. If you're interested in digging into these numbers, I'll just leave you with this before we move on. I've compiled this stuff in an article on 971talk.com because I know that it's complicated. We've just spent about 13 minutes talking about it, and I'm, I'm throwing numbers at you and you're like yes i understand what you're saying but it's hard you know it's hard to see it's better to see them than it is to hear them so i have put them into an article highly suggest you check that out you can share it with people see what other people think And I'm willing to let people take shots at it and say, no, this is wrong because of blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But that's how we have the conversation. Because right now, we're not having a conversation about these things. Every single article you look up on this topic, deaths in 2020 versus deaths in previous years, all of them cite CDC data. My challenge to you is look at the other data throughout the world and see if you trust the CDC data. More Wiggins America ahead here at 971 FM Talk.
0: Get more at
1: 971talk.com.